Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show hey car fans welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive happy hour i am brett hatfield here with our engineer and co-host mr mark groves Yo. the ever thinning mark groves you ought to see him now you can hold him up to a light and watch his heartbeat <laughs> and nice. mr Corey pratt of craving cars on youtube <laughs> that is me we are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. And uh-huh. yes, it was today. Yes, it absolutely much so. was. Let's go outside. Nice now. and sunny, and those fat little squirrels are sitting in that pan full of corn in the backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I smell barbecue. Yeah, that, <laughs> the FLB Cafe is open. Hallelujah. And fat little mercer. <laughs> You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you would like to hear more of, or if you have an interesting story, we are going to get that young man I, I promise we are we just had so many people lined up <laughs> mm-hmm. if you've got an interesting story please tell us send your emails to brett at driven mark we're going to start with you this week because Corey and i are going to prattle on oh forever. yeah <laughs> i'll make it quick yeah i uh i took the bike in to get it repaired good good finally um i there's a place that i do on hold messaging for mm-hmm. and uh it's a bike bike place and i it's up in liberty and I'm like, you know what? What the hell? And I talked to the guy, and he's like, normally we don't work on bikes that old, but hey, for you. Okay. Cool. Bring it in. So we'll... Uh, he must have had one we'll, hell of a wink and a smile. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> you should have seen his service manager, though. You'll fix it for me, right? <laughs> he sends me back to his service manager, who's like, oh, yeah, okay, we got this. Yeah, and it's a 2001. Yeah, great. You know... We don't usually work on bikes mm, that old so with those carburetors, mm. but because the boss said so, and I'm like, yeah, you're loving me, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're feeling it. He gave you the <laughs> F-toe as you were walking out. So I did uh, I did that, and then I've been looking mm-hmm. online, because uh, now that I work at a different job where I have to drive there a few days a week, What's I thought, you know, uh, well, I... Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm burning a lot of freaking gas. So I'm like, you and know. And your bike gets like 45 miles a gallon. I know. I want to be on the bike, except yeah. it's not running. And so I've actually been looking at bikes. Brett, I sent you those uh, three mm-hmm. that uh, were possibilities. And then I'm, I'm telling also, you, stick with that Yamaha, man. I am also looking at little bitty cars. Little bitty cars. Little bitty cars. Now that I've lost all this weight, Are I think I can fit this cars? butt into a Fiat 500. Doesn't matter. The oh, driver's that's, not that's, so. Okay. That's <laughs> oh, not much bigger than the I, I was talking about. I will kick in 500 bucks if you buy a Smart for two. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I, uh, I've been looking at Fiat 500s, and mm-hmm. I've been looking at... Uh, uh, a little bit older. Uh, uh, they're not BMWs. They're Mini Mini Coopers. Yeah, they're BMWs. It's the same. They're awfully cute, well, but the I, early ones from the early 2000s don't have great de- reliability ratings. No, uh, they don't. It's a BMW. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. A, few, a few years back, though, <laughs> um, I was in Seattle. We had a rental car, and it was a Fiat 500. Okay. How was um, it? I'll be honest. In Seattle, I, I thought at first going, huh, okay. I guess I guess we're getting this car. We barely fit our luggage in the back, but that's okay. It worked, and we could park the son of a gun anywhere. See, that's that's what I want too. The, the turning radius it, on a, a 2008 was, Chevy Silverado blows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I will say this: it was one of the most gutless things I've been behind the wheel of. Oh uh, yeah, that's what I expect. I, I'm I'm hoping to find one if if I decide on that. I want to test drive one with a five speed. Because can I make I a suggestion? Get it, get it sure, if you got a chance. And look around. They'll probably, uh, I'm sure they're up now that gas is up. Honda Fits. Really? My neighbors, uh, they've got three boys. They've had three of those Honda Fits, and they love them. Get a Yaris RS. (laughs) (laughs) And pedal. (laughs) Pedal, bitch. Or (laughs) you want to get home? You could get one of the things that was being driven this weekend at oh, Travis God, Bell's yes, yes. inaugural Backyard 400 in Indy at Indianapolis. How's that for a segue, baby? Well played. Oh, boy. <laughs> Corey and I were both there this weekend, and 
It was fiberglass carnage, lunacy, and a damn good time. Uh, you just had to see it. Oh, my God, it was and a lot of fun. Uh, six and a half horsepower stretch go-kart frames. Some of them, others were not so stretched. I really liked watching the guy in the chicken strips go-kart. I think his name was Tony. Yeah. And that was kid size, and Tony yeah. wasn't kid size. No. <laughs> and he stuffed himself in there and went like hell. And the first time I saw him come around that corner right before the finish line, he was up on two tires. Yeah. And everybody standing behind those hay bales moved back about six feet. <laughs> his knees were uh, taller than his hands on the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's listening to his pulse and his ankles. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Welcome to giving birth. But it was awesome. (laughs) You couldn't believe how many people came around that final turn up on two, and everybody's going, okay, well, this is when we die. (laughs) But to start it off, Travis had a great invocation to start off the race. He had a guy play the national anthem on an electric guitar. Did a damn good job. And then he played, uh, was it back home in Indiana? Yep, yep. And And that was sung. Um which what she the guy sang, did a very yeah. good job. Did guy did it same guy sang a yeah. national anthem yep, yep, and uh, back job. home in Indiana and he did yep. a damn good job. Yep. And then oh boy then, here we go and six then. piece mariachi band. <laughs> oh god! Three horns, two guitars, a violin, or maybe they call it a fiddle. I'm not sure. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> and it was outrageous how much fun it was. It was really surprising how competitive some of the guys were. <laughs> Uh, I got to meet a lot of guys that we've had on the show. I got to meet Doug Tabbitt and Arnie Toman, who we haven't had on the show, but we will very soon. Nice. Uh, got to meet Christopher Michaels, got to meet, uh, all kinds of guys that we've had for guests before. And then toward the end of the day, Saturday wound up working on Christopher's go-kart. Yeah. and fixing his brakes for him yeah. and they yeah they did work and then on the way out of the uh, on the way back to my pickup in the infield wound up working on a guy's harley oh so yeah you were I, very useful i broadcasted engine. not one bit <laughs> i got i got grease and oil and junk up to my elbows uh-huh. and we had a great time cory has got a lot of drone footage and a lot of film footage and a whole bunch of stuff that now you got to get done because we're going to have these guys on the show and they're going to want to see it oh yeah, yeah. uh but there's a bunch of stuff to go through it was bunch of stuff. so much fun and my god i hope he does this again it was stupid how much fun shit went on but how much other carnage and uh was it the the black indie car that got hit by somebody from behind open wheel and that guy got a foot of air and uh, he, he got he got so much air that the guy behind him i think passed him by the time he came back down on the ground and spun yeah. out and it, lots of guys up on two wheels, and yeah, uh, two a wheels. couple of hay bales paid the ultimate price. The the, uh, the Fiero kind of went uh, oh. flying upside down, sideways into the hay barrels. Mark wow. Mark Spence rolled his car a couple times, yep. uh, <sighs> and they gave away. Uh, a, a really craptastic uh, Cavalier convertible. And uh, who, a, good old Z24. A good time was had by all. <laughs> the only other thing that came out of the weekend is I was re- I had my hate for I-70 reinforced, uh, <laughs> and I loathe all of the mil- mentally deficient booger eaters who refuse to learn proper lane etiquette. The left lane is for passing. The right lane is for mindlessly floating down the road with a dry thumb up your ass. Pay attention. <laughs> My Indeed. God. If I have to pass you on the right, you're in the wrong lane. And I do have to yeah. say thanks again to Travis Bell and everybody helped. Oh, Travis, it was a it was a magnificent time. People picked up all the trash. Everything got cleaned up. He it was just great. It was everything you could have hoped it would yep. be. So we did have a, a wonderful time. Travis, thank you so very much for that. In the news, the Chevy Corvette will soon add a hybrid and electric models to the stable. A Bugatti owner drives really fast and gets away with it. And the first new Ford F-150 Lightning rolls off the assembly line. Our special guests this week are muscle car expert and consignment director for Mecham Auctions, John Craman. John will be here to discuss the whirlwind that is Mecham Auctions these days. And my god they've made, they've sold so much stuff and raked in so much cash and i'm so happy for them Amen. a little later on in segment two we're going to have 
owner of Big Oak Garage, Mr. Will Posey. Will's going to be here to talk about the 1961 Chevy Impala Custom Big Oak Garage recently finished, what else is going on in the shop, and his new adventures in racing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's got some stuff to talk about. We've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get to it. From road and track, the people are going to pay. And your, and your deep pockets. Well, I've already paid them, but, you know, I still feel their <laughs> hand in my pants. Electric Chevrolet, Chevrolet Corvette is officially happening. Mm. Pardon me while I grip my teeth. Mm. Corvette fans got a bit of a shock Monday when General Motors President Mark Royce confirmed the company is working on an all-electric Corvette. Royce also said GM is planning to release a hybrid Corvette that could come as early as 2023. We've been talking about this hybrid Corvette for a while. This is not a surprise. Everybody knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. And we've also talked about the electric Corvette. They had a name for it. They're they're talking about calling it E-Ray. None of this is really news, (laughs) but... They've you can been, call me Ray. Yeah, you can call me E-Ray. Uh, they've been stifled doing it. You know, they've had so many production short, uh, stops because of lack of parts and COVID. And tornadoes. Other, and and tornadoes. And yeah. Hurricanes and demons. and, and <laughs> Bears and, 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 At least they haven't worried about a boat on the bottom of the ocean. And goblins and all yeah. kinds of crap. Uh, Mark Royce released a statement on social media Monday. Uh, detailing Chevrolet's plans for the future of, of the Corvette, while also sharing a video of a camouflage C8 Corvette with power going to all four wheels, mm-hmm. testing in the snow. The clip opens ooh, with a Corvette ooh. spinning the front tires in snow. You know, I there was, uh, even in the, the news here in town, just this morning, no lie, just this morning, I was driving in listening for traffic jams, and uh, literal, as in trap, not music. And <laughs> on the news freaking station, they were talking about, oh, well, the demand demand for electric Corvettes are so high that Chevrolet has decided. I'm like, demand is you? not that high. No. Demand is not that high. But for the horsepower? Well, and with mm. the hybrid and, and what we're about to get here, uh, get to here, uh, they were talking about Chevrolet's plans for the future of the Corvette while showing a video of the Corvettes, you know, spinning the front tires because oh, it's yeah. in the snow. Uh, though the Royce's statement doesn't go into details about the powertrain layout, the hybrid Corvette will likely retain a gas motor powering the rear wheels and an electric motor or motors spinning the front wheels. Think Porsche 918 type drivetrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not yet known whether the hybrid Corvette will use the base C8 6.2 liter, which is nothing to sneeze at. It's, no. it's just knocking right on 500 horsepower. Or, <laughs> or, 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 the you, new, you just grew fangs, dude. <laughs> the new five and a half liter flat plane crank V8 from the Z06. The hybrid Corvette should make combined horsepower well above the Z06's 670 horsepower rating. And when we've talked about this before, they talked about this maybe being the new ZR1 and approaching 900 to 1,000 horsepower total. God almighty. (laughs) First Ah. time I've said this out loud, everybody mark the date. That's a hybrid I would drive. (laughs) I would gladly drive that. What do you drive? Oh, I drive a hybrid. That's not an (laughs) e-car. That's an e-car. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Though Chevy has yet to release any details on naming for the hybrid or the fully electric Corvette, we expect the former to be called E-Ray. They've floated that idea a long time ago. If rumors stemming from 2020 are to be believed, it's not clear if the all-electric car will carry a similar naming scheme. Uh, If you still want a Corvette that's just a gas-burning car, fear not. Royce says Chevy plans to sell internal combustion Corvettes alongside fully electric versions. Nice. So cool. Uh, still going to be able to get your standard C8. Yeah. Still going to be able to get a Z06. Sounds like you might be able to get a Z06 with uh, uh, electric power going to the front wheels. And again, they they have dangled the idea yeah. of a Corvette approaching a thousand horsepower now. Here is why I don't object to any of that stuff. (laughs) 
the acceleration we've seen out of a lot of electric cars is mind-boggling, especially stuff from uh, from Tesla. Yeah. And uh, who's the new Tesla competitor? It's uh, Porsche. Well, not Porsche. There's <laughs> there's a brand new one, and the name eludes the me right now. Not the Rivian. The the new sedan. The new sedan. Oh. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm having a senior moment. I can't think of the name. Keep talking. I'll look it up. But <laughs> if you can get that kind of acceleration out of the new Corvette, hey, fantastic. Lucid is the name of the company. Oh. Lucid. And if you can do the hybrid where you've got yep, the, lucid air. that glorious sound from the five and a half liter flat plane crank and you've got the benefits of yep. having the front wheels propelled by electric motors that I'm I'm guessing you lose the frunk on that. You don't have it anymore. The motors probably go there. Maybe they put enough room for a helmet. Mm, well, you still have the, the storage space <laughs> in the back that's supposed to be big enough to hold two uh, bags of golf clubs or a yeah. couple of duffel bags. Yeah, gloves and your sure. insurance policy. That's all <laughs> and, you need. And adult diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Grampers to contain whatever may. Oh, yeah. Perhaps this could be the uh, contain re- your issue. <laughs> Perhaps this could be a possible uh, replacement of what my previous um, uh, hybrid would would have. I would have wanted. Well, they're already saying that the Z06 without my price range. They're already saying that the Z06 without the electric motors, just a standard Z06 with a five and a half liter flat plane crank. Oh, I just get excited thinking about it. Mm. They're already predicting that thing to run a two six zero to sixty. Gee, and I'm guessing this? top end has gotta eclipse two hundred miles an hour. You're already talking about something that's super impressive. If they do the hybrid like they're discussing, like they're saying they're gonna, what supercar does the Corvette not match up to? Mm. For a fraction of the money, you really I mean, think they're gonna do one of those and ask more than two hundred grand for it? The only thing that truth it, it that you could say could be like, oh, this it couldn't beat this, but you'd be talking in the absolute millions, three, four well, plus and, million and dollars to yeah, be able to get you, that kind of performance. You may not be able to go faster than a Bugatti Chiron. Yeah. Or you might. You might. So you know, whereas any other hybrid I would say, No, I'm not doing that. Hell yes, bring it. Bring it. I'm excited to see it. Oh, I want to see it. And uh, I'll have to figure out a way to get my hands on a Z06 while we're waiting for it. Yeah, so, that's a good replacement. We'll stand in. <laughs> there you go. We could do that. All right. From uh, Haggerty, 250 mile per hour plus a Bugatti driver gets away with Autobahn stunts. Uh, yeah. So the uh, a Czech millionaire who filmed himself driving 257 miles per hour in a Bugatti Chiron on the German Autobahn, has escaped all charges. Although Hold there's, up. Yeah. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up a I'm, second. I'm getting to that. I'm getting, I knew you were going to say something right away. Just in the Autobahn, it's supposed to be as fast as you can go? Although the, there is no speed limit on the stretch of road, uh, old Mr. Passer has put his foot down. Passer, what a name for this. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> authorities can still pinch drivers, though, for reckless driving. Yeah. So <laughs> local prosecutors. Germans. In Stendhal, uh, studied footage of his high-speed run closely. Passer stated at the time of the attempt that safety was a priority, so the circumstances had to be safe, and that he chose a specific six-mile section, only six miles, by the way, of the Autobahn between Berlin and Hanover with visibility along the whole stretch. Having reviewed the footage, prosecutors told uh, Germany's DPA news agent agency that they agreed Passer had not endangered anyone and would not face any charges. You gotta watch the video of this. You can tell that he gets the car up to a certain speed. He gets up to about 190 kilometers an hour, and he's looking down the road to make sure that he's everything's clear and there's nobody in the way. Plus, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. tell by the light he did this real early in the morning when nobody would be out. And then he sticks his foot in it. I'm guessing he mats it because to watch the car pull from a buck ninety on up. And, you know, granted, uh, he, he, the top speed, I think, winds up being 416 kilometers per hour, which works out to 250 and change. But still, just to watch the, the speedo needle sweep as he's doing that, you're thinking, that's got to be like a rocket sled. 
it's it's amazing seeing the kind of pull that those things have. It's just absolutely incredible. But my biggest question is, what happened to the other six miles an hour? I thought that thing topped out at two sixty three. <laughs> <laughs> he only had six miles. You know how fast you cover that? <laughs> but by the, uh, actually, at two hundred fifty miles an hour, six miles is a minute and twenty six seconds. <laughs> you got ninety seconds wow. to get your ass up and down. Now, now, now think of this. Two minutes max. Think of any car you guys have ever been in, and. And let's say you're about to get on a highway, you're on an on-ramp, and you floor it for a minute and 20 seconds. How fast are you going? Anyone that I've driven? Not very. 80. (laughs) Yeah, 100, but I'm screaming. (laughs) Uh, I... I can't imagine doing that in the GTO because I mean it, it's it's nothing like this, of course. Yeah. But even as fast as it is, if you map the sucker for 20 seconds, you're looking at jail time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I know how fast I drove coming back from Indiana this weekend, and there could have been some jail time in that too. <laughs> uh, allegedly. allegedly, 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 allegedly jail time when I was approaching that uh, the. They had one of those oh, deals no. before construction zone. Oh yeah, yeah. That had a, a thing that would flash your speed out, and I may have gone around an individual that I didn't want to get stuck behind for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. And as I approached this, it was it was flashing a very large <laughs> it, number. It caught fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it flashed error. the speed twice, it's and then it gave me the finger. Uh, from Auto Week, the first Ford F-150 Lightning rolls off Dearborn assembly line today at Ford's Rouge? Rouge. Rouge. Electric Vehicle Center in Dearborn, the first production F-150 Lightning is going to roll off the assembly line. The plant will ship F-150 Lightnings to customers across the U.S. Now, Ford says it's on track to deliver more than 2 million electric vehicles annually by 2026, which is equal to about one-third of the company's global volume. Not bad, on the way to 50% by 2030. The automaker says F-150 Lightning will be the only full-size electric pickup available with a starting price under 40000 Yeah, huh? I believe that when it happens. Rivian says it starts at sixty-seven five. Yeah, well, the Ford that starts under forty grand is an optional steering wheel. Now, there's some blah, blah, blah <laughs> about the anticipation of an electric F-150, <laughs> which I just kind of, uh, that smoke doesn't tickle. But uh, Ford describes the F-150 Lightning demand as soaring, whatever, 200,000 reservations in hand. Now that... That's impressive. That talks. And has set its production pace at the Rouge Electric Vehicle Center at an annual uh, run rate of 150,000 units. Which means if all of those reservations, and this won't happen, but if all of them still wanted the truck, they have over a year of pre-orders on this thing. You know, it's, I wonder if they're going to do the Bronco. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a uh, dealer fee of an extra $60,000. Bend over. We're going to give you your keys. (laughs) (laughs) Whip, whoop. But you know know they will do a Raptor, and they will do a Bronco, and they will do a Maverick, and they will do a Ranger, and eventually all of this crap's coming. Now, they say that this uh, F-150 Lightning can get an EPA estimated 320 miles of range and go from zero to 60 in the mid-four they a it, pick them up truck? It can. Uh, Ford this morning sent out a, uh, uh, a press release package to auto journalists. And, you know, I'm, I'm and enough, you? Yeah, and me. Nice. And uh, I watched a bunch of the pre-videos before they did the actual release today. And they've got one of the gals from the project in a crew cab lightning and a... a a gal who's probably close to my mom's age riding shotgun <laughs> and her husband sitting dead center in the back seat. And they're on what looks to be an airstrip or a closed track someplace. Yeah. And the gal does a dead stop to the floor takeoff. And you should see the eyes on this poor lady riding shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I tell you what, the truck looks like it runs a four and a half zero to 60, and it also looked like it had about sucked that lady into the seat. Uh, you know, fastest F-150 ever, so uh, that would be pretty sweet. That is a fast truck. So I wonder how long it's going to be before we see that going against the Rivian, going against the Hummer. I don't know, but I put Not it up against enough. the electric Corvette any time. Yeah, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Our special guests this week, well, the first special guest is muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions, John Craman. He's going to be here to discuss 
the whirlwind that is Mecham Auctions this year. My goodness, they're doing amazing business. Uh, he'll have a little bit to say about the auctions they've had recently and also their big 35th annual Spring Classic coming up in Indy. And later on, we will have Big Oak Garage owner Will Posey, and he'll be here to talk about the 61 Impala Custom that Big Oak Garage recently finished, what's going on in the shop, his new adventures in racing, and lots more. All of that and much more is coming up here on Driven Radio Show. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. And it certainly is today. It was a nice day. Mm -hmm. Our special guest this week is John Craman. He's a muscle car expert and consignment director for Mecham Auctions. Uh, we have John on every time Mecham has a big sale uh, that they've finished and another one coming, which just... Boy, they just, we they, call that Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, they just they just keep on rolling. John, welcome back to Driven Radio. Man, always a pleasure to talk cars with you guys. And we've been looking forward to it. Now, tell us again where you are. I am in Uvalde, Texas, which is southwest of San Antonio, here to shoot a promote a promotional video on a big collection of primarily pre-war Ford V8s going to our Dallas auction in September, but. We have a lot. We have a lot going on before then, so we're kind of planning out for the future. That's how we roll. Right and it's been a few months since we talked. The last time we talked, I think it was either right before or right after Kissimmee. Uh, tell us about everything that's going on in the Mecham Auctions world and how 2022 has been shaping up for you. Well, you know the collector car world right now is on fire. We all know that. We have certainly been uh, taking advantage of the market strength. We've already got four of 16 auctions uh, in the books, and we're knocking on the door of $300 million in sales so far. Wow. To put that in perspective, guys, if we go back to the pre-pandemic era, let's say pre-2020, $300 million was a really good number for us in a strong year. And here we are, what, maybe one-fourth of the way through the new year, and we have already, we're already knocking on that door of what used to be uh, pre-pandemic uh, you know, really strong Annual year. Sales, yeah. So, uh, record uh, all all four auctions uh, were records, including the last auction was last month in Houston. Uh, that was our eleventh year there in Houston, by the way, at the Energy Center. Texas, very strong market. We'll also be in Dallas in September, but uh, we sold one thousand forty-seven cars there, and we did about thirty-four and a half million dollars in sales. Once again, another record. And now it's uh, full strength ahead now, of course, on our big Indianapolis auction, which is Dana Meekham's 35th original spring classic. That's significant because that's the granddaddy of all Meekham auctions. It all started with that auction back in 1988. It was actually in Rockford, Illinois at that time. And that has grown to be really one of our flagship auctions, our second largest auction. And once again, we're predicting record results, uh, new a television partnership with Motor Trend TV and Motor Trend Plus Streaming, both. Oh, nice. And, uh, of course, that's we're off to a good start this year with that. And uh, that's also setting new viewership records. Very proud to say that in our 15th year of television coverage. So, I mean, everything is really strong. All indications point towards continued strength in the collector car world. And we've seen this trend. We're riding this trend for we're, – we're, we're knocking on two years. So this is not something that's just sort of spiked up in the last couple of months or six months. Two years in running, no end in sight. There seems to be a new generation of auto enthusiasts that is just as enthusiastic as us as us old timers that have been dealing with fun cars for five and six decades now. Kind of tough to make the argument anymore that the younger generation isn't interested in collector cars. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good point. I remember 15 years ago it would have been in the oh back in the back in the late 2000s. The buzz in the collector car world was is the market is going to gray out. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, I was caught up in that discussion as well. Not so much an opinion one way or the other, but certainly keeping an eye on it. But we know now what's happening is, is as the current generation of auto enthusiasts is aging, 
and so-called graying out or balding out. <laughs> There's a whole new wave of generations aging at the exact same rate. And when we say younger buyers, we're not talking 20 and 30 year olds. Those are the guys and gals. They like cars, but they're not to that point in their life yet where they can afford to have fun. About 50 yeah. years old seems to be kind of about the beginning of the age where it's, hey, if, if somebody likes cars, that might be the time to start thinking about getting something cool. In the meantime, prior to 50, they're, they're reading and they're watching television shows and they're attending car shows and going to races and, um, you know, overall automotive interest in, in automobiles right now across the board is, it's as strong as it's ever been. Very, very astonishing. Great to be a part of it right now. That's for sure. Amen. It's not that they're not interested. It takes a little while to build your career or whatever you're doing to realize some disposable income that would allow you to have something like a collector car. You know, you have to do with you, deal with your family obligations and raising kids and everything else. And by the time you get to your mid to late 40s, early 50s, you're starting to have some of that. Um, I, I know that's how it worked out for me, and that's how it uh, seems to be working out for a lot of other people. Exactly, and that that really honestly is the key. So people say getting younger people involved, that's kind of been – the buzzword for the past 20 years or so, especially in the car club circuit. And you're, we don't expect that young people, uh, 20s, 30s, maybe even folks into their 40s, are probably going to belly up and, and actually buy something at this point in time. But it certainly to set the stage. So anything all of us can do to continue to promote just how great this hobby is, how much support there is from the community in general, and then, you know, I hate to use the word investment for a collector vehicle, and I don't ever approach it from an investment standpoint, other than an investment in the enjoyment of life. Very sincere about that. Um, but there have been worse places to put a few extra dollars of disposable income than in a collector vehicle. That's for sure. We've learned that over the years. We've already, you already mentioned that the 35th annual Indy Spring Classic is coming up. It's going to be May 13th through the 21st. And... I was looking at that today. You have over 3,000 vehicles that are going to go through that sale. Uh, what are some of the main attractions there? What should we be watching? And do you have any personal favorites? Uh, I'll tell you what. It's, it's insane. That, this auction is on fire. What I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to and what we consider our main attractions are collections. Over 20 collections so far. As of yesterday, we had 18. I checked again today. We've added two. One that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to, as pretty much everybody in the collector world is, is Ray Evernham, uh, famed NASCAR winning, NASCAR Hall of Fame, crew chief for Jeff Gordon back in his glory days, race team owner, television personality, all-around cool car guy, 33 of some of the best restored and original condition race cars are coming to Indy. Ooh. One of those cars, guys, in particular, hits every hot button that I have. It's a 1965 Indy car that Mario Andretti drove in his rookie year, 1965. He was Ooh. rookie of the year in 65. He won the Indy car championship in this car. He didn't win the Indy 500 until 1969. And he repeated it in 1966, won the championship in this mm. exact car. And it still has the original bodywork, paint, and the original decals from his racing that car uh, uh, in 1965 and 1966. Wow. Many other really great cars as part of that group, but that being a huge IndyCar fan, especially the era of the early rear engine cars, the transition from the roadsters to the to the really fast rear engine cars were really starting to come on strong. And I mean, that's a million dollar plus car all day long. So um, in addition to that, there's some good just standalone consignments as well. We've got, as is typical, Corvettes, they, they usually represent about 10% of the total Meekum inventory. Mm -hmm. So there's almost 280 Corvettes consigned so far. But mm -hmm. one in particular, a 65 Corvette, mm -hmm. that's the very first convertible off the production line. Mm -hmm. And it actually was equipped with a 427. So wait a minute, I didn't have 427 in the Corvette until 1966, and you would be right. But GM Engineering installed a prototype 427 in this car, for the New York Auto Show back in 1965, they put a special Cadillac green paint, a special teal green interior. It was a total experiment, and guys, the car survived. 
It was restored wow. by the Neighbor Brothers in Texas, the top Corvette restoration <laughs> shop on the planet. Uh, once again, it was certainly expecting, you know, a million dollars or possibly more for this car. Very important part of Corvette history. And then another performance car I really like is a 69 Daytona with a Hemi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's F8 green. It's a four-speed. It's fully restored. It has the original engine. And the list just goes on and on on all the eye candy. Very strong on American performance Corvettes. We've got real Shelby Cobras. We've got late model exotics, vintage exotics, plenty of 50s cars. Muscle cars are definitely going to lead the charge. A lot of Boss 302 and Boss 429 Mustangs, Mopars galore. Resto mods continue to be a massive part of this collector car market, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. And of course, Broncos, both current generation Broncos and vintage Broncos, they're still on fire as well. So we'll have plenty of all of that. Four days of television coverage coming up on that. Check your listings. And what we always recommend to folks, you know, this is a this is a nine-day auction, four days of a televised, yeah. but folks can go to Meekum.com and they can watch the live stream. No uh, uh, common commentary from us uh, TV announcers, but you can watch the action. You can listen to the auctioneer. You can see what it what it brings. A lot of great uh, camera angles of the car. Totally free at Meekum.com. Recommend everybody go there and and uh, check that out. And a lot of folks will do that when they're watching this TV show as well which will be live, by the way. And that way, when we go to commercial breaks, they can continue to follow along with their laptop or their, their phone in front of them. And it's a, it's a really good way to stay connected, all for free. I wrote a, an article about that 65 Corvette pilot car that was uh, published on GM Authority a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, real familiar with the car. <laughs> uh, the India auction is always huge. And... So much interesting stuff goes through there. Uh, but what else is on the Meekum schedule for the rest of 2022? Man, can you believe it? We've got 12 auctions still remaining on the Meekum schedule, oh, including wow. Indy, which is our next auction. That's mid-May. Mm-hmm. Always an easy date to remember. It's always the week before the Indianapolis 500. And my wife and I actually stick around after the auction, we go, which which ends on a Saturday, we go over Sunday to IMS for the final day of uh, qualifying, bump day. And that's kind of a tradition that we do. So nice. Kind of, kind of uh, wind down from what I predict is going to be a big auction. But then, of course, in June, we're off to Tulsa. We go to Orlando for our summer special in July, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Now, we've been gone for two years because of COVID. They were using our facility to store um, a PPE equipment, mm-hmm. and now that's back opened up, so it'll, they're wanting us to come back, and we're glad to do it. That's the end of July. Monterey, one of our flagship auctions, mid-August, oh, yeah. along with uh, Car Week out there, uh, Dallas in September. We're doing a really cool three-day auction <clears throat> up in Fountain City, Wisconsin. We're doing it on-site. It won't be televised, but it's a toy and car museum with literally Ooh. thousands of items and we're going to sell everything to the walls on that. That will be live streamed at Meekum.com, by the way. Charlotte, for the very first time, North Carolina, September 23rd, 24th. Chicago, Schaumburg in October, Las Vegas, November. And then Meekum tradition, once again, we finish up the year in Kansas City, Bartle Hall, one of our uh, favorite uh-huh. venues. We are back for three days, December 1st through the 3rd. And that wraps up. that'll wrap up our 2022 season. And we'll know then, guys, we'll know. Uh, exactly how massive our our tally is going to be when the smoke clears. And it's going to be, I'm going to predict, I'll go ahead and uh, go on record right now and say that we are probably going to eclipse the $500 million mark in mm. total sales of collector vehicles. I think that's a really mm, safe wow. prediction on your part. I think that it, you will Jeez. easily do that. Uh and I think I'll probably bump into you at more than one of those <laughs> venues coming up. John, it's always great having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And uh, we'll talk again after Indy. That sounds good. Always appreciate the interest, guys. And uh, thanks for keeping the faith. Cars forever. We've, Amen. That's right. We've been speaking to muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions, John Craman. You can find all of the social media links for John and Meekum Auctions on readthedriven.com. John, thanks as always for being with us. 
See you guys. Our second returning guest this week is Big Oak Garage owner Will Posey. Will has finished a 1961 Chevy Impala called the Dirty Martini, and he's here to tell us about the build. We had Will on, it seems like, forever ago, and he was just starting that build. Uh, And, oh my lord, did it turn out nicely uh, from what I've seen. Uh, Will's going to tell us about the build, what's going on in the shop, and his new adventures in racing. Will, welcome back to Driven Radio Show. Man, I am glad to be here, guys. Thanks for inviting me back. And, you know, anytime I get a chance to run my mouth, uh, everybody says I'm pretty good at it. I generally take that opportunity. (laughs) It's been a minute since we had you on, and you've been really busy in the time in between. Uh, Please tell anybody who didn't hear you the first time about the 61 Impala Project and what you changed on that car from a stock 61 and uh how long it took where it's been shown all the good stuff what it's won all right you you got all day no i'm kidding oh. <laughs> let her let her rip brother <laughs> oh so we, we built this 61 impala for uh a dear friend and a great customer of mine dan duffy out of marietta georgia uh he had a 61 impala it was the first car he bought with his hard-earned money was a 61 impala oh so, cool Always in the back of his mind, he's always wanted to build another one or, or have another one. The first one he bought was obviously it was original and, um, you know, it was a 348 uh, four-speed car. So, number one, we were going to definitely have a W motor in it. So, his uh, late friend Tommy Manor gave him the idea of wedge cutting a 61 Impala. Okay, for the uninitiated... Describe wedge cutting. All right, so a wedge cut is where you take, say, three inches out of the front of the body and nothing out of the back of the body. And so what? you you take a pie section out, the front goes down, and the back stays to where it's at. Okay. So it's a, it's a wedge section is, is what that's called. So that's kind of how it all initiated. So we knew we were going to run a W motor. We knew we were going to run the 509, the all-aluminum version of a 409. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some measuring, and I'm not a cow hood kind of guy or a hole-in-the-hood kind of guy on a car like that. So there wasn't going to be enough room to wedge cut the car and the engine not stick through the hood. Okay. So I started brainstorming, and I was like, well – what if we reverse wedge cut it to where you add to the back and don't take nothing out of the front? So we actually did a reverse wedge hmm. section to give it that. So to give to you give the look of a wedge, wedge cut. cut and a triple right, axle, it, the judges right. there nine dot five. So we did a reverse wedge section. It wound up being two and a half inches. And another thing on the bubble tops that just drives me completely insane. Now, Brett, don't get mad at me for this. <laughs> I know you're a proud bubble top owner. Um, but the windshield and the back glass actually stick up above the side glass. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, I'm, I, I like kind of everything to be on the same plane, so to speak. And the top of the glass all the way around the car should be on the same plane. So we cut four and a half inches off the windshield and four and a half inches off the back glass and made a completely new roof. So the roof now rolls down and the top of the glass is all on the same plane. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, we went ahead and wedge cut the roof three quarters of an inch. While I was was (laughs) there, because why not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know... For what Dan has in the roof of this car, you can buy a pretty nice car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, when you look so, at the profile of the car and you see it, you think, well, there, there's there's something different, but I can't put my finger on it. And then when you line it up with a, an untouched 61, you think, oh, wow, look at all that. This has been touched. <laughs> yeah. More than a little. Um, basically the only panel on it you could take off of a stock 
61 and bolt on it is the deck lift. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Uh, wow. The hood, the hood has been brought back to the windshield. We pocket the cowl. Um, and, you know, the doors have been wedge cut. You know, they're taller in the back than a stock Good Lord. 61 Impala door. Um, you know, the hood hinges are completely changed. The, the door hinges are stock. Um, but other than that, that's that's pretty much it. This is uh, why I'm never letting you look at my car again. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and something else we did, which was, man, it was a crazy amount of work. Um, we wanted to do flush fit glass. Yeah. And doing flush fit glass on a windshield in a back glass that wraps around is extremely Ugh. difficult. Uh, you see a lot of Camaros and Mustangs and stuff like that where the glass is almost flat where it don't wrap around the sides. So we wanted to add another element to it. So we did flush trim. So the trim, the windshield and back glass trim is flush to the body. And then the glass is flush to the trim. So, yeah, we just, you know, I'm like, you know, if if we're going to do flush fit glass, this a, a 61 Impala without trim around the front and back windshield looks like, can I cuss? Sure. Looks like dog shit. So <laughs> we had to have trim around the glass. I mean, you just have to. And, you know, a 69 Camaro, a Mustang, a Charger, you know, those cars look really good without trim around the glass. It just has kind of that modern look. But when you take a, a 60s classic, you you got to have that trim around the glass, you know. And so we actually had trim machined out of aluminum fit it to the body and then fit the glass to the trim wow hmm. i'm looking at the engine bay right now and i wouldn't even eat in there because it would dirty it it would sully it it is amazing well and in, jesus in case everybody who's listening hasn't figured it out yet will's got a few hours in this he's got a little <laughs> bit of time in this car you think how many hours did you figure you have in this thing? Uh, there's right at 13,000 hours in this Chill, car. Man. While you're doing the math on that, everybody, there's 2,000 work hours for a person in a year. <laughs> I think if you take two, in on If this you one. take two weeks of vacation, there's 2,000 work hours in a year. So you've got six and a half years of work hours in this car. Yeah, we built it in just a, really a little over three. Which means he had a whole bunch of guys pouring hours into this thing. Or he never yeah. slept. Uh, there was, yeah. after after the first three months, four months of the build, there was at least two people on it, minimum two people on it. The last three months, there was four to five guys on it. Unbelievable. So, you've had this thing out, you've been showing it around a little bit, letting everybody get a look at it, where have you been, and what has it won? Or has so it? Might be the shorter we, list. There you go. Um, <laughs> we debuted the car at Grand National Roadster Show. I'm a huge fan of Grand National Roadster Show. Uh, it, it, it sucks. It's on the other side of the country, but it's one of those shows that we try to go to every year. Um we actually debuted the car in bare metal there a couple of years ago. Um, the plan was to be back uh, last year. COVID, unfortunately, got yeah. axed the show. Um, so we debuted the car at Grand National Roadster Show this year. And we were competing for what they call the Sloniker Award. Now, the Sloniker has been a part of Grand National Roadster Show for a long time. But they've really kind of upped the stakes a little bit. It's uh, it's a lot like the Riddler now. Uh, first time shown. It can't be shown anywhere else. But you can show the car uh, in an uncompleted form. You can show pictures online to help with you know your sponsors and build a buzz for the car. They actually encourage that. So, I mean, I, to me, over the last several years, uh the Riddlers kind of went downhill. Uh, I can't really tell you why. I, I mean, um, but I think the Sloniker, the the cars that were competing for the Sloniker this year, holy cow. Um, that That's the next 
It, well, I say the next big thing. It's it's the big thing now. It, it's not the next big thing. It's already a big thing. If you're saying, holy cow, the stuff that is there must be really impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, you've seen pictures of the Impala, and it didn't win, and it was not the car to win. Wow. Uh, the car that won was the right car. Uh, and there was actually, we technically, we were probably third out of the bunch. Um, and... Uh, you know, the cars that were there were that's, very, very impressive. That's difficult to fathom. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around. <laughs> yeah, um, it certainly and, is. And you've got AMBR going on at the same time. So now you've got Sloniker and AMBR going on at the same time at the same show. And explain AMBR. So America's Most Beautiful Roadster. Okay. Which was actually won by our friend Tim Devlin at Devlin Rod Shop out of Wichita this year. Very so, cool. Nice. Which is pretty awesome. But you did take away something from that show. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we won the uh, Von Hot Rod Award of Excellence. We won the Sid Shavers Stitch of Excellence. And we won the Sam Foose Memorial Award, which is uh, handed out by Chip Foose. So, oh, um, sweet. So, yeah, we we done pretty well. <laughs> uh, you and I were talking last night. I ran into Chip at Monterey at Bonhams, but he was otherwise distracted, meaning standing in the line to get to the bar, and didn't really want to tackle him then to shoot the bull. I figured I'd let the man have his drink in peace. Uh, but anyway, so how did the, the the project got started because he was looking to have another 61, and his friend suggested that he should do something like this. When you start that project and you you start looking for the car that you're going to build, what do you look for in a donor car? And I'm guessing, first of all, it can't be eaten up by rust. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing. Uh, when you buy a car that's eaten up with rust and you're going to take it to a professional shop like ours, you're just really pissing money away. Um, you can save a ton of money uh, by purchasing a very good car to start with. You know, and, and a lot of people don't think about this, but when you buy a basket case project, there's a reason why the basket case project is $3,500 and the one that's complete is $13,000. Yes. All right. You're buying $10,000 worth of knowledge as you take that car apart. <laughs> and you're also getting all the little bitty screws and the nuts and the, and the, you know, the brake line clip and that little piece of trim that's always missing. And stuff um, that's probably worth a hell of a lot more than ten grand. In right. Time. So yeah. um we knew we were going to be basically destroying a really nice sixty one impala. Um so we didn't go out and buy the the you know the cherry car that we would generally start on at Big Oak. Um We'd found a car that a guy had already done rust repair to. Um, it had floor pans already put in it. Um, and not, it was a not made out of street signs. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Pop rivets um, are not your friend. <laughs> and and it, it was a this was a basket case car. We knew we wasn't going to be using a lot of the original stuff. So it really wasn't that important that we really go buy a really nice car. Now, the quarters were really nice, the roof was nice, the doors, the fenders, all the sheet metal was in good shape, which is really what we were after. Um, the only original piece of trim on that entire car that's unmodified is the pieces in between the deck lid and the rear glass, <laughs> which everybody gets rid of on those cars, but I kind of like it, so we left them on there. Hey, I got them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so... You know, we started with, it was a good car, um, but it wasn't a run and driving perfect car. Yeah. You know, no engine right. transmission. You know, we didn't need any of that. Um, didn't even really need a frame, uh, but the frame had already been restored and powder coated. Um, so if you know of anybody looking for a nice 61 Impala frame, we've got one. <laughs> Not yet, putty. <laughs> <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. So, yeah, no kidding. So it's a really distinctive shade, and I'm kind of curious how uh, you wound up with the colors that are on that car. So 
one of the one of the original plans for the car was to be an Exalta's booth at SEMA, mm-hmm. and um, they do this thing called Color of the Year, and we were up for the Color of the Year deal, and we were looking at kind of a pagan gold color for the car mm-hmm. uh, initially, and the year before we were supposed to be at SEMA. Exalta's color of the year was essentially pagan gold. So oh, no. we were like, we can't, you know, we can't paint it gold now. So uh, let's start playing with colors. And the color of the year was going to be blue. And we did some renderings with it blue. And I was just like, man, I'm just not, I'm a blue fan. I love blue, but I didn't see the car blue. Um, Duffy's actually Irish, loves green. Uh, believe it or not, I fought green. I was like, you know, I don't want to paint it green. The dart was green. Our, our last really, really big car yeah. was green. I don't want to paint it green. And uh, it's green. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I bet it out for you. <laughs> that's the color that it needed to be. When we got in there and started mixing around and playing with colors, um, you know, there is a lot of gold in this green when you see it yeah. in the sun. And, um, but how how we come up with the the color? It was just mixing crap together, and there it is. Um, and then when we the the car, the name of the car was bursted from day one because we were cutting the top on a bubble top. We thought it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when we when we were in the booth and we sprayed that color without the clear on it, it looks like OD green. You know, really, and I was like, "Man, this thing looks like a freaking olive sitting in here." And uh, so, anyway, it got twisted and turned, and then next thing you know, we changed the name to Dirty Martini. What What about the project? And you know, the reverse wedge, and doing flush trim and flush glass, and all the things you did to it. You did a lot of wild stuff. Was there anything about this that really surprised you or took you back? Um, man, I know this is going to sound cocky and conceited, but there really wasn't anything that was just really stupid, hard, and difficult. Um, fortunate for me, I've worked for Alan Johnson and Jesse Greening and Neil Lee. Um, you know, I grew up with those guys and building cars like that so it's just kind of second nature in our blood to heck yeah let's just build a new top for a bubble top you know we don't really think we don't really think much about it you know um but the hardest two things one was the trim around the glass and fitting the glass and all that stuff and uh the second thing was uh picking a color picking a color is always extremely difficult um, painting the engine bay white was another thing that was, yeah, that's uh, gutsy. <laughs> was was kind of uh, one of those things where I was like, man, there ain't no way we're doing that. And Tavis Highlander did all of the the rendering work for us. And when I seen the rendering of that white engine bay, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll make that happen. Honest so. to God, that looks like the most expensive uh, appliance I could get in the kitchen. <laughs> and it is just sparkling clean, and the colors are beautiful. It oh. is a stunning car, and we're going to have pictures of it online, so make sure you go check those out. All righty. What else is going on in the shop? What other projects? I, I want to I I go back to something we were talking about just a second ago, the awards that this car has won. All right. Um, so the weekend... After Grand National, we loaded up and headed to Birmingham, Alabama, which is an hour north of where I live. So kind of our local show, uh, the Birmingham World of Wheels. The best of shows called the Von Early Memorial Award. Mm -hmm. And, man, if you go back and look at the cars that have won this award, most of the time it's past Riddler winners, um, extremely high-level highly talented guys that built the built the cars that have won that award um and we won we did win the von early memorial award oh cool we skipped a weekend 
and went to uh, the next weekend. We went to Tulsa to the Daryl Starbird Show, won Best of Show, uh, won the gold at Daryl Starbird Show with the car. Um, skipped a week, went to Texas, good guys, won a Builder's Choice and Custom Rod of the Year finalist. Came back home, skipped two weekends, went back to California to Pleasanton and won Good Guys 2022 Custom of the Year. Unbelievable. Wow. That's awesome. So Unbelievable. It's um, It's been overwhelming, um, the response and the awards that, that this car has already brought in. So It sounds like a testament to your work is what it sounds like. Well, it sounds a testament to Dan Duffy for – being crazy enough to let us go that go that far on his car you know when does um, dan finally get to collect his car um you know i don't know uh whenever he wants it, <laughs> it we'll we'll probably keep it at big oak for the next year or so um i mean he loves going to car shows and meeting people too so pretty well everywhere the car goes he goes there's been you know he hadn't been to every place. He didn't – well, yeah, he did come up to Pigeon Forge Rod Run. But, um, you know, he'll pretty well go everywhere else that we're going with the car. And, uh, and you know, it takes about a year to kind of work the bugs out of them. I, I know most people look at that car and go, there ain't no way in hell you're going to drive it. Well, that's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Watch car. <laughs> This car will be driven. I mean, hell, I'm on, not. <laughs> right, it's on a roadster shop chassis with bare brakes and a badass Lamar Walden 509 and a six speed with air condition and a kick ass kicker stereo. Uh, I mean, oh, it was, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, he's not going to hop in it and go to Walmart and get groceries. But, um, you know, he don't live far from where they do cars and coffee. Um, our caffeine, caffeine and octane in Atlanta. So he'll drive it to caffeine and octane and, uh, and local stuff around Atlanta. And yeah. And I'm guessing that I'm guessing that thing will slay at caffeine and octane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, hopefully it'll do pretty good. We'll see. All righty. Now what's going on in the shop? So we've got a, uh, 55 nomad that we've got going on. That's going to be pretty, uh, pretty badass. Um, We've got a Model A Ford that's that's going to be pretty wild. Um, we've got a pickup truck project I can't talk a whole lot about. Okay. That is, um, all, all I'm going to say is, wow, just just wait till you see this thing. Holy it's going to be shit. a wedge. I'm going to take all the windshields and make uh, them all strange and <laughs> put on the hardest trim oh, I could find on the planet. We can talk about that when it comes up. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Pretty much, damn near building the entire thing. Oh my god! Um, wow, we're taking something that existed and turning it into something that never existed. Oh, cool! <laughs> Very cool. So I'm, I'm it, excited it, to see that. And, and it's not something that you would think would come out of Big Oak Garage. When you see this, you're not going to go. I wonder if Will built that. That's that. It's something totally different for us. Oh, now I'm so, excited. Now I'm excited. <laughs> and we've got a um, we've got a '59 Impala convertible going. Oh. It's going to be a really, really nice driver. Um, LS3 air ride, just really, really nice paint. I'm going to have to come visit. Yeah, I'm drooling a little. Anytime. You also, God knows why you started doing this. I got a, I want an explanation. <laughs> you got involved in autocross. Uh, tell us about grip. What is grip and how did this happen? All right. So grip is, um, guys racing in parking lot. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so, if you followed Big Oak, you know I've built a couple of specifically autocross cars. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done a 73 Camaro for Rocket Racing Wheels, and then we've done a little Datsun um, 280Z car for nice. Rocket. And those cars done really well. Um, the reason you don't see those cars right now is Holly bought Rocket Racing Wheels, 
and those two cars will probably wind up being uh, sold. Um, kind of sucks, but uh, I get it. Um, David, they did exactly what David wanted to do and was promote his new line of wheels. And, um, you know, I guess it done so well, Holly thought they had to have it worse than him. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But they didn't buy the cars, so David's still on the cars. So, you know, after building those cars for David, you know, autocross is it's racing. I mean, it gets in your blood. And, and uh, yeah, um, at the end of the day, I, I, I grew up racing. That's how I got involved, really, in cars. I was drag racing. I wasn't, a, you know, an autocross guy or anything like that. So I was sitting at a local car show with a buddy of mine, Wes McBrayer, and uh, he had bought a uh, 99 fixed roof coupe Corvette. And he was, you know, he was autocrossing it a good bit. He's like, man, we need to do something in Gadsden. And uh, I was like, man, let's do it. And uh, next thing you know, we were just kind of bullshitting about it. And uh, next thing you know, we're like at dinner, really sitting down like notepads and hashing stuff out <laughs> and how we're going to do it and where we're going to do it and what we're going to call it. And so at first we were going to start our own little chapter of the SCCA in Gadsden. And biggest reason was for the, the cost of insurance. You know, it's pretty pricey. So long story short, we were talking with some guys and they were like, man, you can get, you can get it. You can get a deal on insurance and do your own thing. Cause we're, you know, the classes we want to run are going to be a little more, uh, for like good guys oriented, you know, tire mm -hmm. size and weight versus a class for, you know, if you change your freaking lug nuts, you're in a different class, you know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, we found a spot, we leased the parking lot, we got insurance, we got cones, we got time and equipment. Uh, we got it all. Actually, you can go register for our first event on Motorsports Reg right now. And you so, started your own racing league. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> I love you it. You got to do what you got to do. I love it. <laughs> All right, final final question, and I harass you about this every time. When are you coming to Kansas City for real barbecue? You know, it wasn't too long ago I was in Kansas City. You didn't call. <laughs> you didn't swing by. <laughs> I called your buddy Tim McCarthy. I was oh, like, where do I need to go get barbecue at? Well, it Tim's probably better for you. He can supply you with stuff you need. I'm just going to harass you. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Tim, I got to give him a little bit of a plug here. Um, for the people that hadn't seen the Impala and want to see it, it will be in his booth at SEMA this year. Oh, very cool. We've been speaking with Will Posey of Big Oak Garage. You can find all of the social media links for Will and Big Oak on readthedriven.com. Also, please go look at this car. You cannot believe this 61 Impala. It is gorgeous. Will, as always, thanks for being with us. And I miss you, brother. Give me a holler when you're in town. Man, appreciate you guys having me on and uh, look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Uh, we need to make it a little sooner than this. <laughs> Absolutely do. Thanks again, Will, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you very soon, hopefully. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and listen to everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt yep. and Mark Groves. Uh -huh. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Thank you.